Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Exercise self-control, that's an issue. But you, you can't atone for your sins. And this is something I struggle with, right? Because I'm that, I'm that perfectionist guy. I'm that, I didn't grow up religious, but somehow that bug has bitten me. And I got this in my brain of like, I have to do good stuff because if I don't do good stuff, then he might be mad at me. Like I, I wrestle with this. And if I'm not, I got to remind myself constantly, throw the checklist away, throw it away. If you try and attain righteousness and the approval of God through your works, you're always going to come up short. You're going to run yourself ragged with your efforts. Yet, as Pastor James will point out in today's message, nearly all of us struggle with that tendency. We don't want God's grace for free. We want to earn it. Coming to Christ requires that we give up on that. We have to admit that we cannot earn it and that Jesus has already earned it for all of us. All we can do is place our trust in Him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Leviticus, chapter 15, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We need bread for the broken, give some bread to the broken. We need hope for the hopeless, give some hope to the hopeless, hopeless. Bread for the broken, broken. One got seven and the other one got snake eyes, right? And he's like, oh no. Um, so this, the scapegoat, he wins and he gets to run away. But they cast the lots to figure that out. The other scapegoat chosen by lots will be sent away. Will be kept alive standing before the Lord. When it is sent away to uh, Azazel in the wilderness, the people will be purified and made right with the Lord. Okay? This is the day of atonement. These are the sins that are being forgiven that they may have missed throughout the year. This is a good thing. This is like, this is like the highest holiday for the Jews, okay? This, uh, this day of atonement. This is a big, big deal. If you missed any sins, because can you imagine, like in the sacrificial system, you're having to go to the, to the door of the tabernacle, and if you've got a family, man, you've got to represent your family. And so you get a sacrifice for something. Maybe kind of, you think of like Job. Job was making sacrifices daily for what? For himself and for his kids, in case his kids had sinned against God. Same kind of scenario here. If we were living during these times, you, I mean, you're having to go to the, the door of the tabernacle quite often, if we're honest, um, to make sacrifices for sins all the time. This would be a, a tremendous, this would be exhausting. It'd be absolutely exhausting. And then you're trying to think of like, okay, did, did I cover them all? Did I get them all? And just having to live with that doubt and that fear constantly. Like, what if I died and I didn't, I didn't make a sacrifice for, for that sin? Or there was a sin that I was committing that I just didn't know about and I never offered. I mean, that's just like prison. That's, that's prison. Unfortunately, that's where a lot of our friends in other religions live in. This like good works kind of religion where it's like, I, I hope I do enough good deeds to cover my bad deeds. Well, what if you're not? And then they die. I mean, they're just constantly living in this fear. And then Jesus steps in and says, you don't have to worry about that. Because he died once and for all. Cover past, present, and future sins. That's, Christianity is the best thing ever. It's the most freeing thing ever. It's not restrictive, as some people would like to label it. 
It's actually free. It's tremendously free. And reading through Leviticus and studying through Leviticus, I hope that just stirs up inside of us this, this heart of gratitude for Jesus and the fact that he's done it all. He's done it all. You don't have to do anything. You don't, all you just got to do is believe, receive, and live it out. So we have Aaron. This is still his high priestly duty to uh, present these sacrifices. Verse 11, Aaron will present his own bull, you know, for him, for his family, to make them right with the Lord. After he slaughtered the bull as a sin offering, he will fill an incense burner with burning coals from the altar that stands before the Lord. Then he will take two handfuls of fragrant powder incense carry, and will carry the burner and the incense behind the inner curtain. There in the Lord's presence, he will put the incense on the burning coals that, uh, so that a cloud of incense will rise over the ark, uh, ark's cover, the place of atonement that rests on the ark of the covenant. If he follows these instructions, he will not die. <laughs> That's nice. Nice little you know, addition in there. Like, oh yeah, Aaron, if you do this exactly right, you got nothing to worry about. Well, what if I mess up one step? Well, it's not good. That's why we're going to tie this rope to your leg so that if the bells on your robe stop jingling or whatever, then we just pull you right on out because nobody can go in and get you, right? So just that would be incredibly stressful. So he's got to follow these things exactly as the Lord has laid them out. So if he does that right, he will not die. Let me find my place again. There we go. Then he must take some of the blood of the bull and dip his finger in it, sprinkle it on the east side of the atonement cover, and he must sprinkle the blood seven times with his finger in front of the atonement cover. Then, verse 15, Aaron must slaughter the first goat as a sin offering for the people and carry its blood behind the inner curtain. So he kind of is in the inner curtain. He's out of the inner curtain. He's in the inner curtain. He's out of the inner curtain. And then he's back in the inner curtain. So three times he goes into the inner, uh, the Holy of Holies, okay? Now he's going with the blood of the, of the goat as a representation of, you know, the covering for the, the sins of the people. So he goes back in there. Through this process, he will purify the most holy place. He will do this, uh, he will do the same for the entire tabernacle because of the defiling sin and rebellion of the Israelites, and no one else is allowed inside the tabernacle when Aaron enters it for the purification ceremony in the most holy place. No one may enter until he comes out again after purifying himself, his family, and all the congregation of Israel, making them right with the Lord. So that's Aaron's job as a high priest. And on this day, the Day of Atonement, big, big, high whole, uh, holiday for the nation of Israel, this is a big thing for Aaron to do and any high priest that would come after him. But it has to be all laid out so he does this exactly right. Exactly right. And the people are relying on Aaron, too, to get it right. Because they're like, dude, we, if, if we miss the sin, we need you to on this day to make sure that those things are covered. <laughs> right? So they're, they're relying on Aaron to get it right as well. All right? Tons of pressure uh, for, for the high priest. So he goes on, verse 18, Aaron will come out to purify the altar that stands before the Lord. He will do this by taking some of the blood of the bull and the goat, putting on each of the horns of the altar. Then he must sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times, number of completion, over the altar. In this way, he will cleanse it from Israel's defilement and make it holy. When Aaron has finished purifying the most highly place, the tabernacle and the altar, he must present the live goat 
the scapegoat. He will lay both of his hands on the goat's head, confess over it all the wickedness, rebellion, and sins of the people of Israel. And let me just tell you, that list is going to be extensive later on, right? So like year one is like, yeah, we had some rebellion and all that good stuff. So I mean, I can't even imagine what this, once they get, they leave Sinai, because they're still at the, Mount, the base of Mount Sinai. They haven't even, I mean, they just started the journey. There's a lot of grumbling and complaining that's going to be happening. There's a lot of rebellious acts that are going to be going on. And I would just imagine that this, this little bullet list, this little checklist for, uh, for Aaron is just going to get, it's going to turn from like one little sticky note to like pages, I'm sure, where he's like, oh, oy vey, right? Like, I, I got to read all this stuff. And he's got to keep both hands on the goat, you know? And the poor goat's like, can I sit down? Can I rest? Because this is getting longer and longer. But praise God, there's a scapegoat. He says, in this way, he will transfer the people's sin to the head of the goat. Then a man, uh, then a man specially chosen for the task, will drive the goat into the wilderness. As the goat goes into the wilderness, it will carry all the people's sins upon itself to a desolate land. And that's where you get that reference to Psalm 103, verse 12, which is one you should write down or highlight or underline within your Bibles. 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west. When you're you're feeling like guilty and and not just, not convicted. Convicted is a good thing. If you're feeling convicted, that's the Holy Spirit. That's good. You want conviction. If you don't have conviction, that's bad, right? That's really bad. What you don't want is condemnation. If you're feeling condemnation, which comes from the enemy, always, um, read the book of uh, Romans, specifically chapter 8. When condemnation comes, that's when you need to go back to Psalm 103, verse 12. And you need to remind yourself as far as the east is from the west, meaning they'll never meet again. You and your sin will never meet again, okay? That's a good, good reminder when you're dealing with the enemy coming in and saying, you're not a real Christian. If you're a real Christian, you wouldn't say that. If you're a real Christian, you wouldn't have done that. If you're a real real Christian, this, that, this, that. Now, the Holy Spirit may come in your life and say like, hey, you're not supposed to do that. And then you feel that, like, that thing in your stomach sometimes. It's usually conviction. That's good. That's when we say, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Help me to turn away from it. Condemnation is when the enemy uses your past stories and brings them back up to your, your now self and says, hey, you remember how bad you were? You remember all that stuff you did? There's no way God's forgiven you for that. That's condemnation. And then you just throw it back at him, just like Jesus did with the devil when he was tempting him for 40 days in the wilderness. You quote scripture back to him. You say, no, 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 no. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed those sins from me. I'm free. I'm free. If you're walking with Jesus, I will promise you this. The enemy will bring those past stories up in your life. He will. He will. Because he wants you to live in that condemned state. Because if you're in a condemned state, then you're not in a free state, right? And you're just, and then you're feeling horrible. And then, you're, then doubt comes in. Doubt's not always bad. But when you're, when you're wrestling with condemnation and then doubt comes in, then you start doubting God. And the fact that, no, he has set you free. He has set you free. 
Verse 23, this chapter continues on. This is about almost the end of it here. But it says, when Aaron goes back into the tabernacle, he must take off the linen garments he was wearing when he entered the most holy place. Okay, so now he's going he's gonna to go from the form of a servant back into a glorified state. Okay, Jesus came to this earth, took on the form of a servant. Then he died on a cross was buried, rose three days later, ascended 40 days later into heaven in a glorified state. You seeing the, cor- the correlation there at all? So Aaron, as a high priest, he, he had to put on himself for the Day of Atonement the form of a servant to, so he can go into the presence of the Lord and make atonement for all the people, for all the people. Jesus, as a high priest, never had to atone for his own sins because he had none. But then when all the atoning was done, he, the form of the servant was gone, and he was in a glorified, quote-unquote, kind of state. Kind of cool, right? See, Leviticus is rad. Like, I know there's weird stuff in Leviticus. I get it. And nobody wants to talk about bodily things. There's going to be more to come, okay? I won't be able to skip over every chapter. And technically, I summarized chapter 15, so... Um, but Leviticus is cool, man, because you see Jesus in all these books. He's there. He's there. We just, gotta, we just need to slow down. Just got to slow down and look for him. So, and he's not really all hiding all that, you know. It's not like you got to like really dig down and investigate. Sometimes it's as plain as day. You're like, oh, that sounds like Jesus. There's a reason for that, right? So he takes off these former, these garments of linen. He, he leaves the garments there, the end of verse 23, verse 24 then he must bathe himself with water uh, in a sacred place, put on his regular garments, that's his high priestly garments, and go out to sacrifice a burnt offering for himself, a burnt offering for the people. Through this process, he will purify himself and the people, making them right with the Lord. He must then burn all the fat, uh, the sin offering on the altar. Verse 26, the man who chose, the man chosen to drive out the scapegoat into the wilderness of Azazel, I really don't know how to say that, but um, he must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water, then he may return to the camp. Verse 27, the bull and the goat presented as sin offerings whose blood Aaron makes or takes into the holy place, most holy place for the purification ceremony will be carried outside the camp. The animals, hides, internal organs, and dung are all to be burned. The man who burns them must wash his clothes and bathe himself in, the, in water before returning to the camp. That, that one thing, like this seems like a very clean group, right? Like this is my kind of people, right? Like um, cleaning themselves all the time. I like that. Um, yeah, taking baths. Do it. Yes, please. Wash your hands. Um, I've been saying that for years. Uh, yeah, if you're burning animal hides and dung, please take a bath before you come back to church. Please. Okay, so there you go. Um, on the 10th day, verse 29, of the appointed month in early autumn, uh, I'm reading from New Living Translation. If you haven't caught on, you're like, this doesn't sound like my Bible. New Living Translation, okay? 10th day, early autumn, you must deny yourselves. Neither native-born Israelites or, or nor foreigners living among you may do any kind of work. This is a permanent law for you. On that day, offerings of purification will be made for you, and you will be purified in the Lord's presence from all your sins. It will be a Sabbath day of complete rest for you. And you must deny yourselves. This is a permanent law for you. In future generations, the purification ceremony will be performed by the priest who has been anointed and ordained to serve as a high priest 
in place of his ancestor Aaron. He will put on the holy linen garments and purify the most holy place, the tabernacle, the altar, the priest, the entire congregation. This is a permanent law for you to purify the people of Israel from their sins, making them right with the Lord once each year. Moses followed all these instructions exactly as the Lord had commanded him. So here's here's the deal. This day of atonement, this is, again, the most holy holiday for these guys. This should be a day of like absolute celebration because God says himself, you don't have to do anything. You You don't make a sacrifice for yourself. The high priest will make the sacrifice for you on this day. It's a Sabbath day of rest for you. So stop working to try to cover your sins. The high priest, he's got you. He's got you. Every day, this side of the cross is a day of atonement. Quit trying to work to cover your sins. Trust Jesus as the high priest. He's done the work. It's beautiful. This is amazing. Like For these guys, they got one day out of the year for you and for me every single day. Every single day. Quit trying to cover for your own sins. Quit trying to atone for your own sins. You can't do it. So why drive yourself crazy or stress yourself out? And look, it, exercise self-control. That's an issue. But you, you can't atone for your sins. And this is something I struggle with, right? Because I'm that, I'm that perfectionist guy. I'm that, I didn't grow up religious, but somehow that bug has bitten me. And I got this in my brain of like, I have to do good stuff. Because if I don't do good stuff, then he might be mad at me. Like, I, I wrestle with this. And if I'm not, I got to remind myself constantly, throw the checklist away. Throw it away. Good day. Oh, bad day. Good day. Bad day. Stop. Stop. Every day is a day of atonement. Every day in Christ is a day of atonement. You're free. Quit trying to work for it. Quit Quit stressing about it. Enjoy the holiday that God has given you. You're free. That's it. That was his intent. And joy came for the congregation of Israel when sin had been taken away. Joy comes in our lives when sin has been taken away. Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, sin has been taken away. You should be joyful. That's why Christians should be the most joyous people on this planet, because we're set free. Set free. To isolate? No, set free to love and to take care of our neighbors. Set free. Set free to worship God. Set free to love God. Set free to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's the best deal ever. It's literally the best deal ever. Um, There is no other religion on this planet that offers this. None. None. None at all. So I I think this is something we should just embrace and be like, yeah, sweet, right? So chapter 17, we will cover this one. And then that'll be it. That'll be it. And I'm going to let you guys have discussion time. Um, But there's some key things within chapter 17. There's a lot of blood in chapter 17. I get it. You're like, I thought we were done with the blood stuff. Well, there's a little bit more. Um, but this chapter is, is, is what we call a hinge chapter in the book of Leviticus, meaning it, we, we transition, okay? We're going to transition into 
Um, basically, Leviticus is broken into essentially two different books, kind of, right? And the first 16 chapters deal with these things, and then 17 hinges us or allows us to pivot over to the last part of the book. But chapter 17 is about blood, and it's about atonement, okay? And so let's, let's read through this. It's a short chapter, verse, only 16 verses. Then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to Aaron and his sons, to all the people of Israel. This is what the Lord has commanded. If any native Israelite sacrifices a bull or a lamb or a goat anywhere out inside or outside the camp, instead of bringing it to the entrance of the tabernacle, remember, I was telling you that that's kind of the key phrase, to present it, you know, at the entrance of the tabernacle, to present it as an offering to the Lord, that person will be as guilty as a murderer. Well, that's kind of harsh. Um, such a person has shed blood and will be cut off from the community. Well, why? Why can't I just sacrifice wherever I want to sacrifice? Well, let me remind you, this thing is God's thing, not your thing. He establishes the parameters. God will be worshipped how he wants to be worshipped. And he defines that. And we're like, well, that seems, he's like he's a dictator. No, he's a loving heavenly father who knows what's best for us and knows our tendencies. Knows our tendencies. Because if people get this idea of like, well, I could just sacrifice this, sacrifice this thing wherever I want, then they stop coming to the tabernacle. Then they stop showing up. Then they isolate themselves. And they're no longer a part of the community because they can do it on their own. Sound familiar? Sound like anything we're going through? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with like um, satellite churches. But if you don't have to watch church from home, go to church. Go to church. If you don't have to. If you have to, you have to. Praise God, technology. It's an amazing thing. There's some people watching because they can't be here, and that's fine. But if you can be in fellowship, and remember, Hebrews is, is like the parallel for Leviticus. Hebrews tells us, don't forsake the gathering together, especially as you see the day drawing near. And what, if, if this was allowed where people could just start offering sacrifices whenever, wherever, then they start to define what the sacrifice is, because that's how the human heart is. God says, no, 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 I only want these sacrifices. Well, I'm going to do it on my time, how I want to, and with what I want to. Well, then you just made yourself God. Then you just made yourself God. God's like, no, 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 no. You're going to bring a sacrifice. Bring it to the door of the tabernacle. There's accountability there. There's accountability there. Because some guy may have like a ton of goats and he picks the, you know, the scraggliest looking goat. It's like, well, this one doesn't really do anything for me, so I'll offer that one up to God. When God has said, no, I want your best. Why well, don't I want to give you my best? Well, when you got to bring it to the tabernacle, the door of the tabernacle, where it gets inspected, there's accountability there. Because, see, our human hearts are wicked. They're wicked. And when we don't have accountability in our lives, we will just offer to God whatever we want to. And oftentimes he's like, I don't even want that. Keep it. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless. 
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James is making his way through the book of Leviticus. Now, when we open the book of Leviticus, we first read these words. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He starts talking to Moses about the offerings that the people are to bring. In chapter 1, verse 9, he says, And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar, as a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The animals they offered were to be without blemish. Now, we know that when Jesus died on the cross, he was the perfect Lamb of God. And yet the writer of Romans says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. We no longer sacrifice animals to cover our sin, but in reverence and in worship of Jesus who paid that price for us once and for all, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. The book of Leviticus can open our eyes to how we're to live before the King of Kings. Here at Bread for the Broken, we're committed to helping people find hope and new life in Jesus. To hear other great messages filled with that hope and life, head over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, where we live stream all of our services. That's all that we have for today. Pastor James will be back with you next time, right here on Bread for the Broken.